Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Okay, welcome to a special edition of MHR Radio. Ian and I joined Evan Winter of Bucks Nation to do a way too early preview of the Broncos' Week 3 matchup with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So sit back and enjoy a way too early preview of a game that will happen in week three of the 2020 NFL season. What's up, everybody? Welcome into season two, episode 10 of the North and South podcast, where we bring you thoughts and ideas from all different directions. I'm your host, Evan Winter. Find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. That's E-V-A-N underscore W-I-N-T-E-R. Don't forget to lowercase all the letters and don't forget the underscore uh, brought to you by the good folks over at SBNation.com and BucksNation.com. Those are the fires that have forged this podcast. And, yes, we are here. We have arrived at week three of the way too early game series preview. And I am fortunate enough and lucky enough to have not one but two guests on today, both guys from Mile High Report and Mile High Radio. That is Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Guys, thank y'all both so much for coming on. Uh, whoever won wants to kind of duck in first and say what's up. Uh, thanks for coming on. How are y'all doing? Doing great, man. It's uh, it's it's kind of fun to be talking football, especially considering 
sort of where we're at right now. Yeah, for sure. And how you doing, Ian? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. It's uh, it's good to be talking, as Adam said, football and talking a week three matchup that should be a lot, a lot of fun come the regular season. And it's even better for uh, Broncos country and the Broncos that the game will be played in Denver. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to be doing this podcast. Uh, well, this episode of this podcast, for some reason, I've always had this this link to the Broncos. I'm not necessarily a fandom, but it all started in fourth grade when I was the only one to pick them to beat the Packers in the Super Bowl. Uh, we had this thing uh, where the class all turned in their selections. I was literally the only one and got it right, obviously. Um, and then Al Wilson came along, played for y'all for a good while. And then Peyton Manning, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, obviously, uh, Tennessee Volunteers fan. And then um, now it's Jarrell Casey and uh, um, A.J. Johnson up there as well. So I've always had a reason to pay attention to the Broncos. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to you all about this. But before we uh, get started, I'm going to do a quick overview. So far right now, uh, as the spread stands in Vegas, the Bucks are a one-point favorite. The series history is the Broncos lead 7-2. to two. Uh, the Broncos have won the last four, and the Bucks haven't beat the Broncos since 1999. Um, the overall record may not be that close. Like I said, the Broncos lead 7-2 to all time, but six of the nine games have been decided by eight points or less, and those games averaged around, around a four-point winning margin. Um, but now the other three games, the Broncos won by an average score of 17 points, so it can be a little volatile from time to time. Um before we and also before we get started, I didn't do this the first two episodes, so this is kind of a new thing. But the good thing about my first two episodes were they they were division games, so I'll have those guys back on, so I'll be able to ask them this question. But um, Adam, we'll start with you, and then Ian, you can fall in after that. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, I think of an orange dreamsicle. Uh, <laughs> I love those old jerseys with the uh, the fancy pirate. Like I always, that's that's sort of how I always. Uh, dubbed him in my mind was he wasn't a pirate right when you think of a pirate you think of like jack sparrow or or you know right. something like that you know or the you know you know blackbeard those guys right the the pirate on that helmet was like this fancy pirate from uh i don't know some 18th century castle that I, it was it, it just didn't really look like a pirate to me uh and and i love dreamsicles they're delicious so and then besides that if, if i'm going into more of a a football direction than that. I, I think of Warren Sapp. That's the guy who in, in my mind has always stood out as uh, a, a he, you know, he was sort of a larger than life character uh, his entire career. Uh, I think of that butt dance that he did when he scored that touchdown. Uh, so those are, those are the things that sort of run through my mind when I think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For me, it's grateful to the organization for beating the Raiders the last time they were in the Super Bowl. So I I will forever be a Bucks fan just because of that. I I will be a fan of any team that beats a division rival in a Super Bowl. That's why I don't like the San Francisco 49ers. It's another reason to hate the 49ers, not just because of what they did to the Broncos in the Super Bowl, but because they couldn't beat the Chiefs. So I I will forever be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan just for the fact that the last time the Oakland Raiders were in the Super Bowl, now the Las Vegas Raiders, they lost because of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it wasn't just a close game. It was a beatdown. So I I love Tampa Bay. Well, if you hate San Francisco, Ian, I'll give you another reason why I love Tampa Bay. 
that year Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl, they beat the 49ers in the playoffs. It's the only time in 49ers playoff history that they've never scored a touchdown in a game. The score was a 31 to six, if I remember correctly. So there you go, man. Just giving you all kinds of reasons to, to love the, love the boys over here in Pewter and Red. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get into these matchups to watch. Uh, Ian will kind of snake back around. Um, obviously, we'll talk. It can be between the headsets, players on the field. You know, it could even it can be whatever you think or whatever you your heart desires. Um, who or what is one matchup that you're going to be watching for this game as of today? If this game was played this weekend, um, what would you be watching for? Obviously, it's the the battle between the headsets between Bruce Arians and Vic Fangio. They're both old school guys. They've been around the NFL a long time. And they bring different personalities and different uh, strengths to the table. But I think they're very similar, even though that they one's an offensive genius, the other is a defensive genius. So that alone is going to make this, this game that much more interesting. And then there's two more on the field. What is Von Miller and Bradley Chubb going to be able to do to get pressure on Tom Brady? Because the last time Von Miller played Tom Brady, he completely wrecked Tom Brady. When you add in DeMarcus Ware and, and Derek Wolf from that AFC championship game in the 2015 playoffs, that's going to be something that's going to determine whether or not the Broncos or Tampa Bay has success in this game. And then the other one is what is Vic Fangio and this defense going to do to try to slow down Rob Gronkowski? Even if Rob Gronkowski hasn't played in one or two years, he is still one of the best tight ends ever. He has a rapport with Tom Brady. Bruce Arians is going to find a way to exploit that weakness in the Broncos defense. So what are Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, and that defense going to do to try to limit the damage of Rob, Rob Gronkowski? Because the no-fly zone, when you if you look back at that 2015 AFC championship game, when New England started to make its comeback, and even on that two-point conversion where Gronk was wide open and Brady missed him, the Broncos could not stop Rob Gronkowski, and that was with the no-fly zone. This secondary has some question marks, and especially in terms of depth, and they can't cover tight ends. You mentioned Al Wilson to lead into this. The Broncos haven't had a middle linebacker since Al Wilson left. There's hope. But A.J. Johnson is the guy, and he'll be able to come in after that first season and get used to Vic Fangio and this defense and what he's going to be capable of and potentially make that next step. But those, to me, those are the three areas that I think are going to determine whether or not Tampa Bay walks out of Denver with a win or if the Broncos are able to do what they've done in the past, and that's beat Tom Brady in Denver. I mean, the, the cupboard is bare. What do I say? Uh, no. <laughs> no, actually, the other the other matchup that I think, and it goes back to that secondary that Ian was just talking about, and um, I've mentioned this on my on on our show many times. Last season, uh, I essentially became a fantasy football champion because I had both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on my team uh, for fantasy football. And, uh, it was, it was great to have them because they, they were an incredible, uh, wide receiver tandem. 
And if you look at the secondary, like Ian said, there's a, there's a few holes in there. I don't want to call them holes, but there's definitely question marks. Uh, we, we don't know what Bryce Callahan is going to be for the Denver Broncos because he hasn't played because of uh, an injury. We don't know what A.J. Boye is going to be, although we have a pretty good idea because he's new to Denver's system. And so that right there, those are your top two cornerbacks. We, we know what Justin Simmons is. We know what Kareem Jackson is as far as the safeties go. I think that uh, the loss of Will Parks leaves some some questions as far as what, what it'll look like in nickel, dime, those kinds of scenarios. But how will they match up with Chris Godwin and and uh, and – Oh my gosh! What just happened to my brain? Uh, <laughs> Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Thank you. How will they? How will they match up with those two wide receivers? And and now you throw in Gronk. You throw Gronk into that mix. It's a, it is certainly a, a, a going to be a matchup issue for Denver. Uh, and so it will be important to see how Vic Fangio schemes for those guys. That's that's the place where I think Tampa Bay could uh, they could sort of exploit some things in, in against the Broncos and perhaps use that to their advantage and, and maybe even slide in for a victory in a tough place like Denver. So stick with you, Adam, real quick, and then Ian, you can bounce in after this. Um, how hard is Vic Vangio's defense to learn? Is it kind of like a Todd Bowles defense where you expect a lot of lumps early on and then uh, some uh, some pretty exceptional progress in year two? Or is it, you know, I mean, exactly kind of let let the people, people who are listening or Tampa Bay fans kind of know what, what his defense is about? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I do think that he's got a, a, a somewhat complex defense in that it's all about assignments, and you have to know what your assignment is. It's not as simple in the secondary as that man-to-man matchup where you just you just stick your guy, and that's something that, as Ian talked about with the no-fly zone, which we don't really call them the no-fly zone anymore because they're not. You know, Chris Harris was the, the last member of the no-fly zone to still be around, but they were just a, a straight-up man. They were going to get in your face, and, and they were going to sort of own you sort of sort of group, whereas now it's a, it's a little bit more zone, and so it's about knowing where you're supposed to be, knowing when you're supposed to pass your guy off, uh, and so that takes a little bit of time. I do think that um, the complexity of it in the secondary is made up for in the fact that it's it's not I don't want to say it's simple up front but there's a pretty uh, a simple guideline there where it looks like it's about the guys in the middle up front sort of creating space for people like Avon Miller or uh, Bradley Chubb to get in at the quarterback or uh, AJ Johnson and Todd Davis who uh, I just I just wrote an article on Todd Davis uh, yesterday who talked about the complexity and and the need to understand and it's more about the mindset than it is about the physicality. Every guy on that field is an athletic freak uh, to some degree. And so it's about understanding what your role is. And, and I, we make this joke all the time, you know, when we talk about like Bill Belichick, do your job. D- this Vic Fangio defense is exactly that. It's all about doing your job. And so I think in year two, for the guys that were in Denver in 2019, they're going to be that much better. And that's going to help the new guys coming in not everybody is going to be learning a brand new defense. So it, it does take some time to pick up, but I think there is an advantage in having it be year two under Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. I think with this defense, it's understanding Vic Fangio because he is a demanding head coach. And when you look at the jump that the Broncos made from Vance Joseph to Vic Fangio, Vance Joseph is more of a guy who wants to be your buddy. Vic Fangio doesn't care about that. He wants you to play football. He wants you to do your job. 
And now that they know what he's about, they get an idea and they know what his defense is about. Adam touched on it with the secondary. It's not, it's not about if you can play man to man or you play zone, it's about coverages. It's about your job, knowing that whatever is called, you know what to do, that you're not going to be caught with your pants down. And there were a couple of times for this defense last year that they, they were caught with their pants down. Now they have the mindset and the knowledge of what Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel are about and what they expect because the expectations are high. The expectations have always been high in Denver, but they're high with Vic Fangio and especially when it comes to defense. So I think that's one way that it, it, it took some time because it takes time to get to know a coach and what he's about and what he expects on top of the complex defense that he runs. But to, to, to dumb it down, I think the thing about Vic Fangio's defense is that every single person on the field, whether you're a starter or you're a backup, you know your role. You know everything and anything about your position. And you should know what everyone else in your position group is supposed to do when something is called. That's why the expectations are so high with Vic Fangio, because it's not, it's not about on field. As Adam said, at this point, everyone in the NFL can play. What do you do in the classroom? What do you do to get prepared in the playbook to know everything that's going to come your way? And that's what I think Todd, Todd Bowles probably is the same kind of defensive coordinator. And that that's the expectation that if you're on the field and something is called, you better do your job and you better do it as well as I expect you to. Yeah, this, the secondary, uh, it intrigues me a lot because I feel like if Bryce Callahan can be what he was in Chicago, and I'm not saying there's no guarantee that happens or anything, um, and if Boye can be what he was in Jacksonville and Houston, and then obviously you've got Justin Simmons, who I'm a huge fan of back there. He's obviously a franchise player, and it could really benefit this front seven. Um, and that's kind of bleeds into my matchup that I'm going to be watching is Von Miller um, versus these Tampa Bay tackles. Obviously, Donovan Smith, he's a sixth-year player, um, but he still has a lot of question marks about his game. And then you're going to have Tristan Wirfs on the right side, who's going to be matched up um, with Miller most of the time because from what I've noticed, he plays on the left side of the defense uh, more often than he does the right. But either way, when he does get matched up on Donovan Smith, that's going to be interesting to watch too. And like you guys said, uh, Brady has really struggled in mile high, and I feel like this is going to be – one of the biggest tests for this offensive line, even though they do have to go against the Saints uh, front seven in um, week one. One of the other things I'm going to be watching for, and this, I'm just going to be selfish on this one, is Mike Munchak's offensive line, man. I've always thought he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Obviously, he's from Tennessee, so there's a little bit of bias there. Um, but, man, did he has he come in and lived up to expectations so far? And, y'all, and we'll start with you, Ian, and uh, bounce back to Adam. I think it's going to be one of those things where everyone knows what Mike Munchak brings to the table. And you throw in Chris Cooper with that. Chris Cooper is one of the best offensive linemen in the last decade or so for Denver. With Mike Munchak, whether it's right or wrong, he is going to be judged on the success of a certain left tackle in Denver, which basically no one likes. 
except for pro football focus, <laughs> which is just bizarre. I noticed um, that. I noticed. I was like, I was like, I could have swore Bowles had some issues last year. I was like, but maybe I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, apparently the only outlet that doesn't think he had issues was pro football focus. <laughs> so right or wrong, Munchak is going to be judged by what he's able to do with Garrett Bowles. And I think one, and Adam and I have touched on this on our podcast before, one area that helps dramatically with Garrett Bowles and any offensive lineman is quarterback play. Garrett Bowles has been hurt by the fact that he has played with some bad quarterbacks. Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen. Most of those guys aren't going to help their quarterback. They'll hold the ball too long. They'll make bad decisions, all that stuff. And when you're a bad offensive tackle to begin with, that's only going to be expound or expanded upon because of the quarterback play. Now that he has Drew Locke, we saw it over the five games. It wasn't necessarily that Garrett Bowles was better, but Drew Locke was better. And that's – so right or wrong, Munchak is going to be tied to Garrett Bowles. Um, whether or not he can get any better, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not holding my breath, um, <laughs> but I, that's one area that's going to be very interesting in this game is what Todd Bowles in that front seven, especially Shaq Barrett, who my wife absolutely loves. She met him a few times uh, through her job. Shaq Barrett is a stud and for whatever reason, it's going to be forever that John Elway let him leave for Tampa Bay and as everyone says, who are you not going to start, Von Miller or Bradley Chubb, to get Shaq right. Barrett to start? So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. And what Garrett Bowles and hopefully Juwan, Juwan James, if he's healthy, though he probably just got hurt again, or Elijah <laughs> Wilkinson, are able to do to, to contain that pass rush, and, and especially Shaq Barrett. So Munchak has... I, I think you can tell that he's already made a difference. And I think much like Fangio, this second year, you'll be able to see the strides and the work that were put in the first year that you didn't necessarily see in that first year. You'll be able to see it this second season. You know, the other thing, and just to, to kind of chime in here about Mike Munchak, the, the other thing is he has uh, what I would – call a pretty solid interior offensive line to work with uh, Dalton Reisner, who uh, could, who was an incredible player for the Broncos in his rookie year is going to be in year two, which again, when you're in year two, you've been in the system for a while. That's going to make him that much better. Graham Glasgow was a, a pretty good signing uh, in the yeah. off season, as far as free agents go, because he's going to also improve that interior offensive line. And then the drafting of Lloyd Cushenberry with again, the 83rd pick a guy who could have gone Early second round, that's where a lot of people projected him. And the Broncos got him, what was it, 83rd is like mid to late third round. Like, There's no way the Broncos should have been able to wait that long for this guy, and they were. And I, I just see immediate improvement on the interior based on those moves. And then those three guys get to work with, as you said, perhaps the greatest offensive line coach in the history of the NFL. The Ian's right. The issue is going to be a tackle, left tackle and right tackle both. Uh, in I I try not to say Juwan James's name because I'm afraid that his name will get into the ether and it will somehow get into his ear and his he'll, his knee will buckle or something. But he because he's injury prone. I think I, I made that point. And and Garrett Bowles is not a football player in my opinion. I've I've sort of maintained this 
throughout the last couple of seasons. He is a, a big, strong bully, which is great. He wants to throw people around. He wants to uh, be angry and mean and scary, and he is all of those things. But he is not a football player. And so the the test that Mike Munchak has, and I, I know as, as a, a teacher for my day job, I know how this goes. When you've got a guy who just is is struggling to learn something, that's the test, right? Can Mike Munchak sort of teach him the things that he needs to learn to be a good offensive lineman. And obviously his time in college, he wasn't expected to learn to be a good offensive lineman. He was expected to be a bully and he was good at it. And I think he's good at it now. If, if you watch anytime uh, a defensive player gives, you know, our quarterback, the Denver Broncos quarterback a little bit too much, he's right there. He's right there and he's right on top of him and he's ready to, to sort of protect his guy, which I, I love that about him. I don't have a problem with Garrett Bowles, the guy. He's, he's a good guy who wants to be a good football player, who wants to be the starting left tackle for the Denver Broncos. Now it's about where do we where does he put his hands? What what does he do with his feet? Is he capable of, of you know pushing a, pushing a, an edge rusher off so that Drew Locke can step up into the hole without grabbing a guy because that's always been his go-to. When he panics, he just latches on. So Mike Munchak has his work cut out for him with Garrett Bowles. Uh, Juwan James is a good is a good lineman. He just can't stay healthy. So you've got a solid interior, and you've got big question marks on the outside at, at offensive line. And Mike Munchak, I believe he can fix those problems. But, uh, you know, if if you're a chef and, and you're given, you know, spoiled ingredients, you're going to make spoiled food. That's just all there is to it. So he's going to do what he can, and it will be – this is this is Garrett Bowles' year to prove whether or not he can make those adjustments and become – a solid starting left tackle in the NFL, or if he is going to have to figure it out with another team. It just sounds so much like Tampa Bay's offensive line, solid interior questions at tackles with a guy at left tackle that has everything to prove. Apparently um, playing which, tackle is not easy. No, <laughs> apparently not. I guess that's why they make so much damn money. Um, and that honestly leads perfectly into the impact players. Usually I'd let y'all start off, but I feel like this is just too much of a perfect segue to pass up. Uh, my impact players, I'm going to cheat just a little bit, but the Bucks interior offensive line. Um, and obviously that's the core, the strong, the strength of this offensive line. But I'm going to kind of look at it a little bit negatively. Uh, Ryan Jensen, the third uh, PF, speaking of PFF, uh, the third highest rated center last year who outside of PFF, he did have a very good year last year, um, had one of the worst games of here. Uh, uh, year last year versus Jarrell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons in Tennessee. So uh, Casey's quickness is really tough for him. Uh, Jensen kind of like Bowles likes to bully people around, move them around. Casey's real quick, squatty guy. Um, That's going to be really interesting to me to see how they can protect against this Broncos interior, which obviously with if they can get any kind of push will help those guys out on the edge in Chubb and Miller. So, Adam, we'll start with you. Um, who is your impact players? And then Ian, obviously, follow up whenever he's he's over with. So, on defense, uh, I think for for the Broncos, it's got to be and and I'm you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take the guy who who is the best defensive player on the field, and that's Von Miller. Uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, at least for me, uh, if if he can disrupt the game, if he can get, he's got. And Ian talked about it a little bit. He's just got some sort of magnet that is attached to Tom Brady, and he just wants to. <laughs> just destroy that guy and he, and he has that's been sort of his mo and uh, i i know that you know he's getting obviously he's getting a little older 
but uh, what we have seen from him is a little more intelligence uh, on the football field. And he's always been a real smart football player, but he's had, uh, you know, he's got great bend. He's he's got incredible off the ball speed. He is uh, he's one of the best defensive players Denver has ever had, and that's saying a lot. Denver's had some great defensive players, but. Uh, it, it, if he can impact the game, if he can be so disruptive to Tom Brady, who, uh, you know, Tom Brady's old, man. He's older than I am, which means he's he's got a lot of years. Uh, he's not as mobile as you might think. I, he's got good footwork, but what we've seen is Von Miller has been able to really disrupt what Tom Brady likes to do. So if he can do that, I think he's going to have the most impact on defense uh, for, the, for the Broncos. For me, uh, defensively, it's going to be Jarrell Casey because it, as much as Von Miller loves to wreck Tom Brady, he has to have an interior pass rush. And yep. I think for the first time since Malik Jackson left for Jacksonville after the Super Bowl, the Broncos have a guy who's going to be able to consistently do that. So to me, it's Jarrell Casey because, it, as you mentioned, Evan, one of the strengths of the Tampa Bay offensive line is the interior. So what is Jarrell Casey going to be able to do against that interior? And is he going to be able to get consistent push up the field, whether it's to stop the run game or to get after Tom Brady? Because if the interior rush is there, that's what's going to allow Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to not only hit and pressure Tom Brady, but sack him and hopefully create turnovers in the process. Usually I don't like to say teams won or lost a trade. Um, you know, that's obviously subjective. It can always be debated. But Denver absolutely won that trade. I am still upset to this day that the Titans let Casey go for peanuts like that. Um, I thought maybe they would use the money to go after Jadavian Clowney, which would have been okay, or maybe to re-sign Logan Ryan, but they obviously haven't done that. So I'm just kind of sitting here like, what the hell, man? But a lot of, a lot of the speculation around here is um, – because with the salary cap uncertainty next year, they don't know what they're going to do with Derrick Henry, which obviously you could franchise him again. But anyway, I, I digress. Yes, uh, Denver definitely won that trade. Before we take this quick commercial break, though, I've got one hidden impact player, and that's Mile High Stadium. Uh, Tom Brady, if my math is correct, and I'm sure y'all will be able to tell me if it is or isn't, is three and seven over his career at Mile High? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah that at, sounds right. I tried to look it up on football database. I didn't know if he played in the 2000 season, so I just went from 2001 to, to now. And based off of that, he's three and seven. So, all right, we'll leave, uh, leave with that quick thought in everybody's mind. We'll take this commercial break, and we'll be right back with bold predictions and final score prediction. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. 
All right, coming in on the back end again, I have with me Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair of Mile High Report and Mile High Radio. Coming in the back end of the way too game, or sorry, way too early game preview series versus the Broncos in week three. And now we're about to drop some quick bold predictions and a final score prediction before we head on out of here. Um, Ian, we'll let you start off first. What's your bold prediction for this game? My bold prediction is it's not necessarily bold. That may lead into it. But I think Von Miller is going to come away with a hat trick of sacks. And I think as a team, the Broncos will have seven. Woo! Tom Brady is going to get sacked seven times. And the reason I base that is because I think Jarrell Casey is going to have a huge impact on this game. And I think it, you're going to see the, uh, the orange rush as the, the shirt that Adam is wearing right now, which <laughs> celebrates the pass rush of the Broncos of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb is going to be benefited greatly by the presence of Jarrell Casey. Yeah, I mean, how do I outbold that? I, you know what I love about bold predictions is I don't have to be right. Uh, right. And Ian right. will tell you that every time we've done bold predictions for any game, I've always been so far off that it's like it, it's almost laughable. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to go to the offensive side of the football though. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go offense here. Uh, my bold prediction is that Drew Locke will throw for four touchdowns, uh, and the Broncos will score th- uh, over 35 points. Uh, which is if you, if you know anything about the Broncos' offense of the last. Uh, six seasons. I mean, really, since I've, even before uh, they won the Super Bowl in 2015, uh, they, their offense has been shaky at best. So uh, just putting up that many points, I feel like uh, there's excitement around Drew Locke, and I want to sort of continue that excitement. And, and uh, it is way too early, like, you, like you've said, to really know what's going to happen. But I'm going to go with, with four touchdown passes for Drew Locke uh, and over 35 points for the Denver Broncos in this game. Uh, which uh, I think sort of will help you see where I'm going with my prediction for the game. <laughs> I will add, I'll add a quick addendum to my bold prediction. I think Shaq Barrett will also get three sacks nice. in this game and match Von Miller because Garrett Bulls ain't blocking or holding Shaquille Barrett. <laughs> well, Ian, I think you just helped a lot of the Bucks fans recover from the PTSD that Adam gave them when it comes to the Bucks history against uh, young quarterbacks. And hey, I mean, dude, there, there's a lot to like about this Denver offense. I mean, you've got obviously a three-headed monster at running back. Um, you've got two unknown but two very promising receivers in Jerry Judy and uh, uh, what's the kid who's going to play slot? Uh, KJ Hamler, yeah. I think. Right? Hamler, yep. And KJ then, Hamler. And then obviously you got Corton Sutland still in there. Um, and then you've got Noah Fan at tight end, drafted the kid out of Missouri, who I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. And uh, still don't know what they're going to do with Jeff Howerman, I believe is that how you pronounce his Hireman. last name. Hireman, yeah, Hireman, Hireman. yeah. Okay, but, but he still has some value here. And he's like he's kind of like the Cam Brate of the Broncos, in my opinion. Um, so my bold prediction is the Bucks are going to score 20 points or less. Um, I do not like the matchup against this defense. I do not like the matchup with Tom Brady at mile high. And my God, if he gets sacked seven times, I don't know if he's going to survive. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be Blaine Gabbard show. I have a feeling. So I'm guessing we all three might be agreeing on this outcome of this game. So Ian, give us your final score prediction. I think it's going to be a really close game. Like, I legitimately think it could come down to the last drive. Whoever has it could potentially drive for to kick the winning field goal. I think that's going to be 
what the the how close the game will be and I'm I'll 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 give the Broncos a slight edge just because it's at home and two of the quarterbacks that that Tom Brady has beat in Denver are Tim Tebow and Trevor Simeon and I believe the other one is Danny Cannell so I'm going to put oh Drew Locke slightly above those three guys <laughs> and I I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll give the Broncos a slight edge I think they win 23-20 Oh, all right. Um, I'll jump in here with my prediction. Uh, yeah, Danny obviously. <laughs> yeah, uh, Danny. You gotta, you gotta remember Danny Cannell. That guy, God, solid. Man, that, yeah, uh, right. Danny Cannell. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I, again, I, I, I'm predicting big points for the Broncos. I, I do also agree though with Ian that this is going to be close. Uh, I, as much as I think that the defenses could tee off a little bit here, I don't know that that's going to. Um, limit the amount of points that that both teams score and and I go back to the the Chris Godwin and Mike Evans issue and Rob Gronkowski I, I mean the one question I think that that sort of hampers the Bucks as far as their offense is what what is their running game able to do as far as ball control and so I think Denver is going to come away with a, a pretty big win I'm going to go 38 to 28 I'm going to go 10 points there but I, I do think the Bucks can get four touchdowns out of the deal uh, again, Drew Locke is a young quarterback, and I, as much as we are as, as excited as we are about him, he's going to be in his second year, and we all know about that sophomore slump, and I know it'll, it's really just his first year as a starter, but this is the year that I think guys make mistakes that will cost their team points, especially a quarterback, and it's going to be a new offensive system for, for Drew Locke. So I, I think that'll hamper him a little bit. So he'll struggle some, but I'm, I'm going 38-28 Denver. Uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a huge blowout, but a little bit of a blowout. So what I'm doing is I'm taking the predictions of uh, my guests that come on, and that's going to be the Bucks uh, record at the end of all of this. <laughs> so as it stands right now, with y'all's two uh, final score predictions, the Bucks are now one and two on the season with their only win over Carolina, uh, which is honestly what I expect because I also have Tampa Bay losing this game. Uh, final score: Broncos twenty-one, Bucks with those twenty points. Um, I think there's going to be a big play on defense from the Broncos, um, probably a pick six, you know. If recovery something like that from likely a sack uh and then drew lock's gonna do drew lock in that running game melvin gordon i feel like we'll have a big game uh they'll do just enough to win this game and get out with a victory and send bucks twitter into an absolute tailspin at one and two on the season so guys um thank y'all again so much for coming on uh before we before we head out let everybody know um where they can find y'all and all the good stuff go and plug all your work fix very good stuff i was listening to y'all's last podcast uh about whether the bronco is going to make you cry in good tears or bad tears it was good stuff so um ian obviously you start off with your plugs and then adam follow follow right on up whenever he's done well i want to thank you evan for having us on uh it's great to be able to talk football and and look ahead to what the 2020 regular season is going to produce, especially with uh, these bizarre times right now of COVID-19 and safer at home orders. Um, But you can follow me at Ian St. Clair at mile high report. And our podcast is anywhere you get your podcast. So feel free to give it a listen and see what you think about Adam and I, spewing nonsense on the Broncos. Yeah, uh, we've been doing this for a long time. Um, you can you can find me on Twitter at Adam Malnati 16 uh, milehighreport.com, obviously, and then uh, the MHR Radio Podcast. Uh, just look it up. 
uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stretcher, Stretcher, Spricker, Spreaker. I don't know. There's there's so many of them out there. So, uh, but yeah, uh, you can check us out there. And uh, it, this is again, Evan. This is fun. We love talking about football. And so the opportunity to sit down and, and talk to somebody about a, a game that might actually happen at some point down the road is uh, is definitely something we're into. It's exciting, but boys can only dream, can't they? That's yes. Right. Uh, thanks, thanks again, guys. And again, that's Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair of Mile High Report and Mile High Radio. Guys, thank y'all once again so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Evan. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.